This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. The award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Norris Group Real Estate Radio Show and Podcast. Once again, uh, this is Joey Romero. Join once more for part two of of our interview with Brent Lee of Windermere Tower Realty. I think uh, one of the coolest things that uh, for me was I met Aaron, you know, yeah. because, because I was there. Me um, too. You know, um, he was, he was teaching essentially the marketing presentation that he did for realtors. He modified that for nonprofits. And so, you know, the, I remember the first day we were at the old, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the the old building that we had it at was the uh, community foundation, you know, over there by off a of market. And you know, the first class was governance with Dom Betro, you know. Right. And so uh, right. we we had some really great, you know, speakers. Um, and eventually that would evolve to involve some of the graduates. You know, I ended up teaching governance later. But I remember the first day, you know, um, it's all super nervous. Like this is going to be like, you know, first of all, I I'll, I'll, let me go back really quick. So when you said, oh, I, everybody probably thought I was a jerk. I thought you hated me for a while. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't I didn't think you liked me. I actually told on. I was like, man, why does Brent like not like me? <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, it's not even that, you know. But um, so he's like that with everybody. <laughs> it's everybody. It's cool. <laughs> so, you know, that first day we're there and we're learning and somebody shows up in the back and it's, you know, Anna and Jen are back there just kind of running like the 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 table that just kind of oversees and and Aaron showed up a little bit late and I didn't know who Aaron was you know but they were like oh my god it's Aaron you know and then the the students you know a couple of them knew him like oh my god you're here like what's going on like are you back you know they started talking about hey are you gonna be are you are you like back back or are you you know just here tonight and he said no I'm back back and you know over the course of the next 10 years like you know if you want to truly, you know, um, look back and admire a career giving back to a community that he loved, um, Aaron's story is amazing. You know, the boards that he served with and, you know, the associations that he helped. And uh, I mean, just the passion that he had to give back to a community um, that didn't need him. He didn't need Riverside. You know, he was, you know, he was a successful actor. And then he came back, he got into everything he did. He was successful at. You know, he didn't need to. He gave back because it was truly a passion for him. And he truly had a passion for the arts, you know. Um, so that was my first, you know, uh, visit with Aaron. And throughout the the next, you know, you know, several years, if there was an event for pit group or for a nonprofit that the pit group would, because nonprofits started hearing about us and say, hey, can can you send us some folks to help us run this event? We would always volunteer. And, you know, Aaron would always be there. You know, I would show Absolutely. up and be there. You know, and it's it's kind of funny. One of the memories that popped up today, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. It, today's the anniversary of us walking uh, for Brent Lee for that. RUSD. Yeah. And in that picture. Nine years ago. Can you believe nine, that? Nine years ago. And one of the pictures is um, is Aaron Phillips holding the baby. I'm right behind Aaron and Aaron's making a goofy face at the baby. It's such a great picture. Can you, can you talk about, um, you know, Aaron a little bit, you know, uh, he's meant a lot to uh, the real estate community, but he also meant a ton for the community in general in Riverside. 
Yeah, I mean, I think about, uh, I remember that same day that you're talking about, Joey, and, you know, I've, I've, I've known Aaron a really long time, but I didn't really know Aaron um, until our interactions with the pick group that I really got to spend time with him uh, and, and learn from him. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't include him as, as one of my mentors too, because, you know, as you said, like that guy could do everything well. Uh, and I wouldn't even call him a natural, even though he probably was. I think that would be unfair to him because he worked so hard at everything that he did. Um, so, yeah, he was he was uh, one of one of the great ones, um, and his I think his legacy will be be felt by a lot of those community organizations in which he served. And you know, I, I started this conversation um, talking about uh, what one some of the things that Aaron taught me, uh, you know, about saying when to say yes and when to say no. Um, I think one of the things as young professionals, especially in the early days of PIC, we were so excited when somebody would call us. We would we would say yes without really thinking thinking it through. And before you knew it, you were on three or four boards, and you're like, "What what am I doing? You know how can I, how can I really be effective in like being there for my family, being there for my career, and being there for four community organizations? Can't do it, right? It's just it's almost impossible. Um, and I think Aaron Aaron taught taught me that for sure is really being intentional with your time and, and not, not, not saying no all the time, but making sure when you did say yes, if you were going to say yes, you committed 100%. Um, otherwise get out of the way and let somebody else else serve. And I think Aaron demonstrated that in, in every, every facet of his life. And he, that's something um, he taught me. I mean, I remember um, just about every lunch, uh, we would go to, you know, obviously some kind of community thing would come up because we were both so active doing things. Um, and he would always have, uh, you know, was always a very positive person. Um, but the only time he would get negative would be when somebody on the board talked about doing something and never did something or someone <laughs> said they were going to do something and then they would never do it. And he ended up having to, you know, pick up the slack. Um, that was the only time I would see him. Uh, be negative and it was only because he cared so much about um, whatever it was that he was spending his time right so um, you know well, well, negative be, be negative for that negative's perspective right i mean he, it might have came off as negative but he's actually calling people out for the community on behalf of the community yep, you know that's true you know, that's, that's true that, that's one of the things that he didn't like was being light don't be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, nope. you know, he, he always talked about time, talent and treasure, you know, give one of some, you know, and yep. he's, he's somebody that gave all three of those, you know, um, I think one of the, one of the really coolest things that started happening as part of the pick group is, is, you know, placement of like somebody like you on a board. Cause when you ran, like, <laughs> it wasn't like you ran against an empty seat. It was somebody who had run pretty much unopposed for years and years. Right. You know, um, you know, he, you know, he was a great, you know, board member himself, but yeah, a great man, great legacy, great you know, contributor to our community. Yeah. And so I, I think, uh, what would you say is the, the thing that you're most proud of the, your time coming out of the pig group? Um, honestly, probably just the pig group in itself. I mean, the fact that it's still going we now, right? we're still around, like that's, uh, that's, uh, I mean, uh, I think the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, that original founding group of individuals um, who were able to not only um, come together at the time um, and, and work together to build something, but then to have that, that idea um, 
and that organization last and to be sustainable even past their time. I mean, I haven't been to a pit group meeting in probably seven years, right? Um, I still stay, you know, somewhat connected. I will go to their events. Uh, you know, sometimes they invite the old guys or old gals back. The to, tell, us how it, to, tell us how it used to be back in your day, right? Um, but I think that's the thing I'm most proud about because I know how big of an impact it had on my life um, and how it led, um, you know, I, I, no, not only to me being on the board, but, um, you know, the relationships that I built uh, in that to help build my business, right? Like that's how I met James Monks, right? That's, he was integral to helping grow our business back in 2013 from, you know, a six person office to a 60 person office. That would, that would not have happened uh, without the relationships that I was able to build uh, in the pit group. Um, so I think that the fact that the pit group is still around and nurturing young people and developing them professionally and, and allowing them to build those same relationships that you and I were able to build, right? Um, that's still happening. And that's still, it's still happening and helping others succeed and plant roots in this community, make our community better, make themselves better and, uh, you know, uh, mentors and role models for their families and their friends. Um, I mean, I think no doubt about it. It's probably the thing I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of. Well, come full circle, the president of the, of the pick group right now is a realtor, right? That's true. That's true. A little, a little shout out a, to, to Brad. <laughs> that's right. I think he's more on the lending side, but he's he, in our world. Yeah. He's in the real estate uh, world is what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got, um, a, I mean, I've got one of the, um, uh, one of the people that are in our office, in our escrow office, um, she's a young, young professional in her twenties. Um, and she's, full on in, you know, just joined the pig group about a year ago. And I saw her name on the slate. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Megan Durkee for just jumping, jumping in without asking any questions and and being passionate about something. So I love seeing it. It's awesome. To your point, you know, uh, the reason I'm sitting in the seat is because of the pig group. Pig group doesn't happen. I don't end up at the Norse group. Yeah. You know, Um, the last thing I'll talk about with pick is um, the impact awards that are coming up. Um, can yes. you can you share a little bit about what's going to happen this next pick group um, impact? Yeah, so um, it's uh, it's it's pretty exciting, I think, and you know I, we're all real grateful for the current leadership and the board of of, of the pick uh, the pick group. Um, every year, um, for at least the last ten years or so, we've had impact awards, and, and we've tried to recognize other young people doing great things in the community. Uh, and we usually highlight, or they usually highlight, three individuals each year. Uh, somebody from the business world, um, somebody, you know, doing impactful things uh, in the community um, on the civic side, and then somebody on the political side, I think, those are kind of the three main buckets uh, that they, they recognize each year. And when when we lost Aaron, we wanted to figure out a way to make sure that his legacy and his contribution, uh, not only to the community, but specifically to, to young professionals and to the pit group, was somehow how memorialized. Uh, and so this year, um, they're going to name the community award in honor of Aaron. Um, so uh, the that that's happening this October. I know you're going to be there. I'm going to be there, and I think some of the original founders of Pick Group and that founding class will be there uh, to to recognize and congratulate the honorees this year, uh, but also pay tribute to Aaron uh, and the fact that this award is being named in in his honor. And as a past recipient, Aaron was awarded this 
uh, you know, a few years ago for his his contributions to to, to the community. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a, a, a more fitting uh, way, at least for the pit group, to uh, recognize Aaron and make sure that when people, you know, 10, 20, 30 years around are, are down the line where you and I might not be able to tell Aaron's story, um, that, that story will still be there to be told. So uh, I'm really excited uh, for that um, opportunity. Uh, as much as we miss Aaron, I'm glad that that um, everybody will be able to recognize the contribution um, each year uh, by naming a, another young professional who's doing good work in Riverside and in the greater region. Yeah, when uh, when uh, when you when you approached me on this, I said, "Yeah, that's cool." So I want it to be whatever the MVP award is. That's the one I want for. <laughs> that's right. All right. I, I agree. I want to name the whole thing after him. I, I mean, I think that's all how much we we realize Aaron has 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 made an impact on our lives and, and our community. Sure. So I want to I want to circle back before we end um, to the market. Twenty twenty one was crazy. You know, Bananas. on on the real estate investment side, on you know the realtor side, you know refis. I mean, everything was like everybody had the best year of their life, right? You know. Yep. So, can you talk about how that went for you um, before we really talk about what the current uh, state of the market is? Yeah, I mean, our our office experience. You know, our, we've been in, again. We've been in this business. My mom started this company in 1989. Her and I uh, became a Windermere office, and we joined ownership partners in 2012. Um, and it was by far our, our most productive year, uh, as an office, um, I'd say pretty much hundred percent of our agents had their best year volume wise. Um, it was just really an unprecedented, uh, experience, um, where you just had, uh, you know, really low inventory, really low interest rates that just made this supply and demand on steroids, uh, accelerate the market, um, where you know you put a house house for sale and you'd have would it be uncommon to have 10, 20, 30, 40 offers uh, on a property uh, doing all kinds of crazy incentives to get the seller to stand out from from letters and pictures of their kids and their dogs um, to releasing contingencies and inspections and appraisals, offering tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand or more over asking price. Um, it was just, it was just wild. Um, so how, 2020 so, and 2021. So how, so that, that just brings to, to mind the importance of having the, the relationships, right? Because I'm sure, you know, some of that was just, you know, just flat out, just a sale. Right. But I'm sure the people that the, were the most successful are the ones that could, you know, just sell properties because of the relationships that they have uh, developed over the years. Right. I mean, I think this business really comes down to relationships. Um, I think the those that are in this business uh, on the tr- that are transactional uh, are not going to have long term success. Um, but those that really invest in the relationships are going to have have the, the long term success. Um, you know, from you know when when you have twenty offers, and there's really not much you can do besides you know offering so much over asking price or. or reducing contingencies. It's really about picking up the phone, knowing the agent on the other side and letting him know, Hey, this is what we can bring to the table. We can, we can close, you know, what, what we put down on paper is not just, you know, uh, uh, an unfulfilled promise. Like we, if, if, if I write this down and you accept it, we're going to deliver. Um, so I think while most people in our industry had success, 
um, just by the circumstances, the ones that had really great success, um, you, know, you know, offices, you know, that have been around a long time like ours and agents that have been around a long time like ours really, really stood out uh, because of the relationships that they've built um, with their colleagues, whether they're in this office or another office in town. Now, Bruce talks about it got to that because the 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 buyer was um, or the seller was, uh, you know, there was euphoria. You know, it was like people were excited to sell because they knew they were going to kill it. You know, so how how many of those sellers now are hanging on to that that price? You know, like now or as they have have they had their bubble burst a little bit, you know, or are people still saying, you know, let's list this much over. And what are you telling uh, by uh, sellers now? I think we're in that. Uh, I mean, we've been in that, that shift since probably April or May when interest rates started to rise. Um, and that really gave people pause um, on the, on the buy side and the sell side, right? You had people that didn't want to sell anymore because they were getting, they had these locked in 30 year interest rates at two, 3%. Um, and that if they were to move that, inter- that, that loan and that rate was not going to follow them. And that now they begin to rate up five, 6%. Um, and then same thing on the buy side, people were willing to pay tens of thousands of dollars over asking price because interest rates were so low. It didn't really impact the affordability of their payment every month. Um, but with that change in interest rates that also gave like, they could just flat out couldn't afford it anymore. Right. Um, so I think we're still in that kind of fluctuation period, kind of that that standoff, who's going to blink first? Sellers saying, well, hey, my neighbor just got this price you know, 90 days ago. I, I should be able to get that price or more. Um, and buyers saying like, hey, well, I'd love to give them that price, but I don't qualify for that amount anymore because the rates are higher. So they need to come down, right? So I think we're at that kind of stalemate. Um, so the sellers that are having the success right now are those that are being realistic with those shifts um, and pricing their home um, accordingly so that, that they can get an offer. Uh, I was just at a uh, luncheon this afternoon, um, hosted by the Inland Valley Association of Realtors, uh, and the uh, economist that was giving the presentation, he likened this current market, um, uh, to, to a, to a dog, right? So he said that you had these houses, you know, six months ago, 12 months ago that were dogs, right? They needed, upgrades they needed improvements they needed whatever um, but it didn't matter because there was 40 buyers for it so they could get this they could get whatever price they wanted but now you still have some of those houses that are uh, that look like dogs they need stuff uh, but the the seller's not necessarily willing to come down on their price because their neighbor down the street got that price 90 days ago um, so it, it's definitely a shift things have slowed down things have cooled um but I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic that uh, based upon still the somewhat limited supply of, of inventory and the relatively low interest rates, uh, historically speaking, um, that hopefully we're getting towards a normal market because the last two years were just, you know, they were wild. They were crazy. They were um, not sustainable and not healthy, right? Like it's not healthy to have 40 people competing on a house and offering $50,000 over the last comp. Like it just doesn't make sense. It's not smart. It's not good. Uh, it's not sustainable. So um, I think heading into a normal market is where we're headed, where it's okay to sit on a house for a house to be on the market for 90 days. That's, that's how, normal. How dare you? I know. I know. Well, the problem is, is we all have short-term memories. I mean, I've been in this business since, you know, 2003 um, and we haven't had a market, a normal market probably since 2003. 
right? 2003, 2004, and then things went bananas again, you know, before the Great Recession. Um, and then we climbed our way out of that, you know, from 2012 on. And it's just been a, a wild ride. So none of us are used to normal. And I probably nobody knows really what normal is, except for probably Bruce. Um, and that's one and of the so things. That's one of the things. That, that, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, no, please. So that's one of the things that Bruce talks about. You know, it took systemic events to really go crazy, right? And in 2006, a systemic event was, you know, the lending that was out there, you know, the funny money. Right. Okay. And so the systemic event that just happened to us in 2019 was the pandemic. And so right. those are the two things that really, you know, um, affected the market and why it had such a wild swing. I mean, we we're way right. past, we're way past the highs of 2006, you know, the yep. medium prices. It, it, I mean, I, I work with Bruce all the time, so I see all the charts, you know, it's, it's crazy to ever, when, when we were in 2008, nine, or even just recently, we never thought that we would get anywhere near those prices anymore. Right. But nope. lo and behold, here we are 10 years, 12 years later, and we're way past the 2005 numbers. So what is, what is the mood of the realtor? Uh, the experienced realtor and then the brand new realtor that's in your, the agent that's in your office, you know, like I, I imagine you're having to be more of a coach now. Yeah. I mean, you, you really gotta, you really gotta sharpen your skills and, and, and invest some time in, in, in gaining market knowledge uh, right now, because it's not as easy as it was a year or two ago where, you know, if you're a listing agent, stick a sign in the yard and, and wait for the 40 offers to come and a buyer's agent is just, try to build a relationship with the listing agent, not for more than the, the next best guy right now. It takes skills and experience uh, and, and good communication. Um, so I think most experienced realtors who've been in the business a while, um, you know, they're probably feeling a little uneasy because they're, you know, they're not, they're not used to the slower paced market. Um, but I think they're, they know that, that they'll kind of things will settle down. Um, you know, I do feel for the new eight newer agents that, They've never felt anything like this um, and they haven't had to take the time uh, to gain that market knowledge and kind of gain those skills that, that make realtors valuable to a transaction. So now they're playing catch up to gain those skills so that they can provide that, that value to their clients. Um, so I think the good, the, the agents that are going to make it are the ones that are, are hunkering down and taking the time, taking the time to, to, to learn as much as they can to really understand the inventory uh, to understand the process of real estate transaction beginning to end um, and spending time, uh, you know, learning from, from their colleagues in the business. Um, but I think, I think overall, I think the sense, at least in our office is I think people are, are, are hopeful and they're kind of looking forward to a more balanced market. Um, but of course there's any kind of type that's an unknown and, and the transition, it's a little uneasy, um, you know, as you kind of go through it. I get asked all the time being that, you know, I work with the Norse group and um, so I work so intimately with Bruce, you know, they want to ask me for Bruce's predictions and outlooks, you yeah. know, um, which I tell them uh, I'm not Bruce. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you guys, you guys actually have uh, somebody at Windermere that, that is sort of in that role, right? The, the economist, the market timing update kind of guy. What is, what is the message coming down from, from Windermere headquarters? Yeah, so we're really fortunate. Um, we're our our, uh, our office, uh, our Windermere offices have a chief economist based in based in Seattle that provides you know market updates and forecasts for you know uh, on a macro level for the entire region, but then also for each one of the individual markets that we serve in. 
Um, so his name is Matthew Gardner, uh, and he's the chief economist of Windermere Real Estate. And he, he provides us with um, kind of similar role to Bruce, uh, just what's going on in the market, trying to make uh, sense of, you know, the charts and the graphs and the, and the information that we hear out in the marketplace. How, what does that mean for us? What, what does that mean for us as, as realtors? What does that mean for our buyers and sellers? Um, and tries to make those, that data and those graphs digestible for us to understand and to communicate those effectively to our clients so that our clients can make good decisions um, for, to, to serve whatever their real estate goals, goals might be. Uh, so we always have uh, Matthew come down um, once a year uh, to Riverside and give us a market update, a forecast, so to speak, um, kind of a look back briefly on, on what we've gone through over the last year and then kind of what we have to look forward to, his predictions on what he thinks will happen in the market. Um, and then he also provides uh, monthly updates, video updates, on just maybe one key segment on the market, like what's going on with interest rates, what's going on with the supply, what's going on with unemployment, how that affects the real estate market. Um, so it, it's, it, the more knowledge you have, I think the better off you're going to be. Um, it's easy to get lost online through social media with all the information, good and bad uh, out there. But to have someone, um, you know, that has the market expertise, who has the knowledge um, and who can share that with, with, with you, um, I think is invaluable. Um, so I think people like Bruce Norris or uh, Matthew Gardner, um, who speak the truth, who make uh, data-based predictions, um, who don't just have gut reactions to how things are going on the market, um, but you know, look to the data, look to the experience um, that they both have uh, and information they have access to and then and, and analyze it uh, and then share it with the rest of us uh, who don't have that experience or that knowledge so that we can also make good decisions um, based upon on the information that's provided. So what's his general, you know, you don't have to give me his whole presentation, but, you know, what's his general outlook for 2023? Um his general outlook is, is positive, uh, definitely a, a cooling, a, a dramatic cooling of the market. Uh, but he reminds us that, um, you know, for decades now, just because there is an economic recession doesn't mean there's a housing recession. Uh, so he anticipates, uh, you know, overall, the market is going to continue to increase in price, um, but just at a much, much, much lower rate than it has over the last five, 10 years. Um you know, he uses the term normal, a normalized market. Things are still tilted, uh, at least at this point, into the seller's favor. But that's that's decreasing in, in every, every, every month. Um, and you're really getting to a more balanced market. Um, so I think he feels uh, overall positive, at least from a, a real estate, uh, those involved in the real estate industry, whether you're an investor or, or a lender or, or a realtor. Um, he feels that it will be okay for our business. We don't need to worry about a bubble bursting. We don't need to worry about, um, you know, the great recession, anything like that. Um, just more time on market. Um, you know, not, not, not 10, 20, 30% um, increase in prices or median prices, you know, maybe a healthy three to 7% uh, annualized return on, on the housing, on, on housing prices. Um, so he just takes a measured approach. I think he's overall optimistic 
Um, but, you know, things can change, right? Things keep changing and they affect how the market's going to happen. Uh, so he, it's nice to have somebody constantly keeping an eye on the pulse of the market uh, and then providing updates when information changes and affects uh, uh, potential forecasts. I spoke to another, uh, you know, big realtor in San Diego and I asked him, hey, how's it going? And he's like, man, it's the craziest thing. I've got pockets that are killing it. And then yep. I've got pockets where, you know, I thought, you know, recently doing really good and I can't sniff an offer. Like, yep. and one of the things that Bruce is always talking about is certain areas are going to get hit worse than others. You know, um, you know, we all know, we all have those areas in every County that, oh yeah, well that makes sense. Why nobody wants to buy that anymore. You know? Um, so I think that's, um, that's part of what's going to keep it from not going too high or too low. Um, and the other thing is that there's just no inventory. You know, I think that's the biggest yeah. overriding factor in everything is, we haven't overbuilt California in the last, you know, how many years, you know, I think they learned that lesson. And, um, and so now um, I, I just, I, Bruce doesn't, Bruce doesn't see how he could, it could, you know, take a terrible hit, you know, certain pockets right. are going to get back to that. It gets back to that simple supply and demand concept, right? There, there's a huge demand for, for housing in California uh, and throughout much of the country. Um, and it's very difficult to fulfill that demand with supply in California just because everything's expensive, right? Dirt is expensive. Materials and labor are expensive. Uh, fees to build anything are really expensive. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, I think Bruce is dead on um, that there's not going to be any big fluctuation in prices due mainly to that supply and demand um, to, demand issue. And then just kind of touch on your point to pockets, right? Like we're seeing that too, just locally in Riverside. Um, it doesn't really matter necessarily I mean, which neighborhood the home is. If the home's turnkey, upgraded, sharp, um, the houses are still flying off the shelves, right? They're selling really quickly and, and sellers are getting their asking price. Um, but the houses that uh, need a little bit of love, maybe would be like, uh, you know, uh, uh, need some upgrading or improvements or an investor type special. Um, those aren't moving as quick uh, because People don't have an appetite to invest a whole lot of cash after they, they move in into a property unless they're going to get a good margin. Um, so those homes are sitting on the market uh, quite a bit, quite a bit longer. So yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little uh, uh, hard to say, um, you know, from week to week what product's going to move. Uh, but I think overall we're in a good place, and I think the, the the sooner we get to a more normal market, I think the better off buyers and sellers both will be. And our industry as a whole. Well, Brent, I, we, we've been, it's hard to believe we've been talking for almost an hour. Um, <laughs> so I, I do want to uh, offer you the opportunity to, um, to tell people where they can find you if they, if they need to, a broker in Riverside. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Joy. I really appreciate the opportunity. I thank you. I thank the Norris group um, for this podcast, right. For to provide information to those that are eager to learn, um, I'm grateful and, and it's, an, it's an honor to be on this show with you. Um, but yeah, you can find me. Um, my, my brokerage is Windermere Tower Properties. We have 50 great agents that can help uh, you with any of your real estate needs. You can find us at Windermere Tower, W-I-N-D-E-R-M-E-R-E, -E -E, a lot of E's, tower.com uh, or my email address, brentlee at windermere.com. One of the other things that um, I'll, I'll mention right now is that uh, we're going to go ahead and launch uh, I Survived Real Estate uh, live and in person again in October. 
uh, October right. 28th. So hopefully maybe we can get a, a whole Windermere uh, table uh, sponsor. Oh, yeah, we'll uh, be there this year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that it's, I, I like to call it real estate prom. <laughs> I know you've <laughs> been a real estate prom. I've been a real estate prom. And I think that's great. And I think that's another great legacy uh, Aaron Norris uh, created um, for our industry, for his mom, for his family, for the company. So uh, I'm glad that we're going back in person because I think that's one thing that makes that event so special is bringing like-minded uh, industry folks together to, to learn and connect with one another and raise money for good causes. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time, Brent. Thank you so much for being on with us and uh, we'll see you around. Thank you, Joey. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money.